Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for hanging out here. I'm the founder of Print Design Academy, as you may know, where we teach graphic designers to be experts in print and packaging design. And this show is just another way to do that, where we interview real-life graphic designers, yet real-life ones, that have created great print and packaging and put it out in the world. We want to hear the story behind that print on how it was made and all that kind of stuff. So before I tell you who my guest is today, I first want to say we've got a brand new guide to craft beer label design. This was a smash hit when we released it a couple of years ago, the first copy. Now we got another version ready to rock. If you go to www.craftbeerlabelguide.com, Dot com. That's craftbeerlabelguide.com. You will be able to download our guide to craft beer labels. Now, this thing basically walks you through the steps that you need to take in order to design incredible craft beer labels. We talk about different print methods, different stocks, and things like that. But we also show you six different examples, three labels and three shrink sleeves, tell you how they were made. There's great photos there. We break down, um, you know, the, the coatings and inks involved, you know, basically one of my favorite ways to learn how to create great print and packaging, you know, take something that's already out there that you really like and is really cool and to sort of break down, reverse engineer it so you can learn how to integrate some of the sort of design aspects, the print aspects, the coding aspects, things like that that you really like about that in your next design. So that is free. Go to craftbeerlabelguide.com for super ease of just pressing a button. I also put the link to that down in the description of this podcast episode so you can check it out there. Now, today, my guest is Mr. Johnny Black from the Office of Ordinary Things. Now, this episode, I'm not kidding, is probably two years in the making. Back about two, two and a half years ago, Johnny talked about a really incredible print project that they had started talking about um, on their end, you know, and he's like, hey, just so you know, when this comes out, when we've got the photos, when it's actually produced, when it's out in the world, this would be awesome to talk about on the show. There's a lot of really cool things going on with it. I said, that sounds rad. Fantastic. Um, he asked me to follow up in a couple of months. I did. I annoyed him every few months. Um, until the photos were done, the print was done, everything was ready to rock, and it was out in the world. So here we are. The print piece that we're doing a deep dive on today is the D&K Printing Project, and it is sort of a self-promotional piece that talks a lot about sustainability. It's also got some really cool tear strips, and like it's just such a great, it's such a great example of how print should be executed to make it memorable with both the content and information inside, but also the tangible experience, the tactile experience that they created in this print piece. So it's super great. We also talk a little bit about Apple packaging, granola packaging, um, the third, I think a third ever print project that he was a part of. We get into some stories about print project wins and print project fails, all the good stuff that you've come to love with the Print Design Podcast here. So I'm going to stop talking and let's get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Mr. Johnny Black. Here we go. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. 
we go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So, let's talk ink on paper. Johnny, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing excellent, Dave. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Is it safe to say that this conversation is years in the making? I think decades, potentially. I have to look <laughs> at the timestamp, but yes, it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. You've been teasing this one out for a good, at least a year and a half um, yeah. of, you know, what you guys got cooking and what you've been working on. Um, and it's, you know, I got to tell you, it worked. It kept me engaged. It kept me in that follow-up game. So I'm really excited to get into this one. Excellent. Me too. Perfect. Well, before we dive too deep and ask some of the other questions, let's start with the tough stuff. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, oof. All right. Well, what do you want to know, Dave? Give me, um, <laughs> I'm not messing around. I told you it's the tough one. Um, tell me, relevant to graphic design or just, uh, you know, just want me to freewheel and spin? Give me like a time limit and then I'll, yeah, I'll spin. I would say go with a freewheel, like not like a, like not, not a 10,000 foot view, more of like a 7,500, 7,300 foot view. Okay. All right. I would say childhood, all that, pretty normal. Um, oh, wait, no, this is not history. This is like, tell us about yourself. Sorry, I'm good. First question, little rusty, here we go. Um, <laughs> no, no, let's go childhood. I like <laughs> I like where you started there. Uh, I'm pulling you back into that. Give me the little childhood snapshot. All right, the uh, graphic design career started with music. Um, and uh, yeah, I got into punk rock and through that, you know, albums and uh, t-shirts. I just wanted to make merch, basically. And then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, that sort of led me into graphic design. That I got uh, went to school and um, got sidetracked for a bit on computer science because I thought graphic designers were going to be, you know, really broke. And um, uh, that, I went to a job fair and they said like twenty five thousand median salary or something like that. Um, and I was just like, what? Um, or no, no, it was twenty five an hour, so fifty thousand median salary. Anyway. Uh, and then I went back to graphic design, um, went to school. So I come from a pretty traditional path, you know, university uh, for four years. Um, I went to graduate school right after um, coming out of art school uh, for graphic design. And um, and that was a three-year program that was in Arizona. And then uh, started the business um, in 2010, midway through grad school and have been running it ever since. So yeah, over a dozen years and uh, we're in San Francisco now. Awesome. Yeah. And you guys fairly recently made that move, right? Yeah. Uh, right in the middle of the pandemic, the best time to move somewhere best and make time. friends. Yeah. <laughs> best time. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say the whole like punk rock and wanted to make merch entrance because I've found like 80% of designers that I've interviewed and had conversations with, it was like punk rock, skateboarding, or one of their friends had a band and just said, hey, could you make me a t-shirt? Yeah. Like, that was the <clears throat> gateway to graphic design. Exactly. What alternative subculture brought you here? Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. What yeah. alternative subculture? That's, the, that's that. the new question. Awesome. And how long have you, like, sorry if, sorry if I missed it, what's the timeline on Ordinary Things? Because originally you had a, you were operating under a different name and then you changed yep. and made the move. Like, give me just yep, a little yep. bit of insight into that. Sure. Um, so uh, when we started the business, we were called Cast Iron Design. And uh, when we moved, we, you know, you sort of 
when you're moving out of a city, you're, you're gutting a good chunk of your network, right? You know, all the yeah. people you know locally. So we thought, you know, if we're, this is a good time to make a change. And um, we uh, kind of had grown tired of the name. Um, has this like, you know, sort of masculine and vintage connotations that um, like, you know, it's, it's a good name. It's not terrible, but also we also didn't want the word design. You know, like whenever we advise clients, we're like, don't put what you do in your name because, you know, you don't know what you're going to do in a few years from now. So, (laughs) yeah, it's just like um, when people find out you offer photography as a service, they're like, oh, I thought you were just design. And we're like, yeah, we know. So, yeah. yeah. Um, So we just uh, uh, changed it and um, made a decision fast on the name and, um, yeah, uh, timed it with the move. So um, that's that's how it rolled out. That was in 2020. Perfect. Can you, is there like a, is there a story or anything behind the new, behind the name? Yeah. Um, it's a pretty silly story. Uh, you know, slightly, <laughs> slightly embarrassed to tell it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, I think our, our work has this sort of, you know, sense of humor that, um, there's, there's a certain level of like seriousness in graphic design, I feel like, right. You know, mm-hmm. there's like, yes. we are the greatest design agency, like, or, you know, just this sort of, um, uh, yeah, tone that I really felt like <clears throat> we'd always bucked that a little bit. And there, you know, we're not the only people. It's not like, yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, for us doing something a little bit silly, um, was part of the spirit of the, of the studio. So, we literally reverse engineered the name from the acronym TOOT because um, we're like, who's <laughs> dumb enough to have that um, as their acronym? And uh, and then we can kind of like, you know, um, honestly, you know, it was inspired by um, uh, for years. I've always well, it's still um, OMFG Co. I just think that is one of the best um, names um, and it stands for Original Manufacturing Company in Portland. Great studio. Love those guys. And um and yeah, so uh, that sort of inspired the format of like, you know, having a great acronym that's a little bit fun and silly and then um, having a more serious name. And um, so we sort of um, stole that format, uh, but to- did something totally different and went a different direction with it. And uh, yeah, so just made a list of words and put something together um, that spelled that out. Oh, and the funny details that the O Right. You know, when you do an acronym, no one uses like of and and, right? Like yeah. um, you, you yeah. always leave that out. Well, we had two O's. It was just going to be T-O-O-T. But then I stumbled on the logo, um, our little monogram. You have to see it, but it just is three O's and, it, and it's a little character and it, and it can only work with three O's. So we didn't want to add another word. So we're just like, all right, fuck it. We'll, we'll use the of. <laughs> And, um, yeah, uh, it's totally dumb, but, um, it's, it works and it's, you know, like I said, we try to do it fast and loose and not, not like overthink everything and dumb it all down. So, um, yeah. yeah. So with your love and like wanting to make merch and now working with the acronym toot, or is it more like toot? Um, however you wish to say it. Is there, is there toot merch out there? Oh man. I was just talking about this this morning. Um, no, uh, but there will be. Um, I'm, yes. I want to do. Per, I want to do. Um, well, technically, there's posters. There are posters now, um, okay. and uh, that's all we got. But in terms of like, yeah, I want to do a, a jacket. Um, you know, like a um, what are those bomber? Like a bomber? Like um, those? Like 
uh, what's the name? Like for a college those? football jacket kind of thing. Uh, right? yeah, it's slightly nope. different. Like the nope. like okay. shinier, the shinier kind of vibe. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I can't think of it, but yeah, the same kind of cut as one of those. But um, yeah. Uh, and then like you know, some embroidery on the back would be sick. Um, and uh, like the the scorpion and drive. If anyone's seen that movie, like. Um, you know, he's got the scorpion jacket, but that basically with, you know, our, um, some branding on it. And then I want to do socks. I've always wanted to do socks, huge fan of custom socks and, um, jealous every time I see them. So, yeah. Yeah. The office of ordinary things socks. That's awesome. I'm, I think um, they're going to be really comfortable. Hundred <laughs> percent wool. Like I'm just sort of assuming that that's the direction you'll go. Cause... No, uh, I. That sounds uh, itchy. I'm an, I'm organic cotton for the win. I think it's. Oh, move. good call. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, I'm not caught up on my materials, so I'm I'm thinking that you're making the right choice there. There you go. <laughs> well, Johnny, let's dive into a little bit of print talk here, and mm -hmm. I want to hear if you've come across any cool print recently, anything that you sort of stopped or like, wow, this is really cool or took a second to appreciate. Sure. All right. I'm gonna give you a, a boring answer, but I have an interesting insight. Um, okay. So I have like all designers, the Apple packaging is the, um, you know, it's, uh, top notch, right? You know, just the experience yeah. of unboxing, um, even like a magic mouse or, or something, right. You know, just, um, it, it, it's, it, they really have it all dialed. It's a huge part of their brand, but, um, yeah. what really has been impressive for me and memorable, um, is seeing their shift to all, um, renewables, right. Getting rid of plastic. So, yeah. um, they, uh, it, it's like a, it, it's like the type of thing where, there's so much effort that goes into it behind the scenes and customers yeah. are the, the idea is kind of that it, they wouldn't even really notice, right? That it would be sort of the yes. same experience, but the challenges, um, knowing the ins and outs of some of that engineering, um, like the challenges of, of, you know, the materials and sourcing and, um, getting all of the dye lines, right. And the tolerances like, um, yeah. And, and one material, that I've seen them use that is a material I've been excited about for a while is glassine. Are you familiar with glassine? Uh, yes, that's like the, it's basically a really, almost reminds me of like onion skin, like from when you were a kid exactly. tracing. Yep, yep, it's just super calendared paper, which just means that they're, you know, pressing it thinner and thinner and like just flattening it out. And there's no, um, you don't even need, you know, a, a special coating or anything. It's just like, it pretty much turns into this crazy glossy coated paper that's like onion skin thin uh, yeah. but it's it's brilliant because um you can use it in a similar way that um you can you know use plastic packaging and uh and so they started using that for um the screen i want to say and like the keyboard like there's a bunch of pieces where they're using glassine and um uh yeah they um have switched I don't think it's every product yet, but um, all new products are, are have switched to 100%, you know, paper pulp with the yeah. smallest amount of, of plastic possible. I think it's usually just like the shrink wrap. Um, but uh, and um, my here in San Francisco, there's a lot of people uh, that work for Apple and um, my neighbor actually um, is uh, works on one of the material teams. So it was interesting to get some insight from him on um like the new imax he was breaking down how they have color-coded packaging for every single different color of imac and then all of the different SKUs. so there's like the mouse and the keyboard and the screen and the box and like you know sourcing and getting all of those different colors printed with you know these um like so there ends up being this like 
massive amount of effort that just goes into that color coordination you know um that you don't even think about you're just like oh yeah it matches my thing and you go about right yeah but so i think um that's been something really really recently that um i have been you know watching and cheering on and there's a lot of other companies doing the same thing you know apple's not the only one Mm -hmm. but they're just you know as a leader in packaging I i thought it was really cool to see that to watch that transition yeah, they have a scale like none other. So if they're, you know, mm-hmm. removing plastic and switching to these, you know, paper-based alternatives, um, you're going to notice it there than you will with anybody else, really, totally. just because of totally. the scale, right? And it's funny you say that because I just two weeks ago bought um, updated Beats Bluetooth headphones for working out. Mm. And I did this You're looking unboxing. Looking small, Dave. Looking like, small. I can tell. Mate. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I got to keep this up. Um, and I sort of filmed this unboxing and, but that is one thing that I noticed from everything down to the way the cord was wrapped, the way, um, you know, it's all molded mm-hmm. paper. Mm-hmm. So there's no like plastic trays. It's so easy to do a plastic tray so to easy. hold products, but and doing molded. Yeah, exactly. Cheap, big time. So taking yeah. that expense and doing uh, that extra cost and doing like molded paper, that's mm-hmm. definitely the direction that a lot of companies are going and mm-hmm. obviously in various scales and levels, depending on what they can afford to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just it's uh, it's exciting to see big companies do it because that trickles down to the rest of us and yes. you know opens up new opportunities because yeah, just the economies of scale and all that. Exactly, uh, Johnny. So, in your experience, what what do you think it is about print and packaging design that is so? what's the right word here, like so exciting or special to designers? Because even if a designer hasn't designed for print or hasn't designed packaging before we all have our little stashes of cool stuff cool printed stuff that mm-hmm. we hang on to and we have living on a shelf somewhere we just can't bring ourselves to get rid of what mm-hmm. what is it about that that keeps us hanging on to that stuff i mean i think the the main pieces are are the the sensory interactions that we don't get with screens um and uh i actually think you know, there are certain things with print, you know, color-wise that you can um, do, like fluorescent inks, for instance, where you, you know, you can't really get that on neon. But then, on the other hand, like, uh, sorry, you can't get it on the screen. But on the other hand, you know, screens can represent colors now that you know these newer screens that that, that can exist in packaging. So, you know, we're inch, we're inching towards you know um, uh, having screens actually be better in in more instances than than print for, for certain aspects of, of it. But there's, you know, of course, like uh, the sense of um, smell, right, is not gonna come through, right? You know, that I, I love, I remember um, uh, opening an album from uh, Hot Water Music. Um, is that, wait, is that the name of the band? Yeah, Hot Water Music, yeah, punk rock band. And it in the, okay. the ink just reeked, um, but I loved it. Um, it just, you know, uh, it was an, on an uncoated paper and you just like popped it open and it just smelled like totally different than every, anything else. And um, yeah, uh, it's probably bad, like, you know, off gassing. Um, you guys shouldn't have been sniffing it so much. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just um, uh, I, I love that that um, smelling the paper, smelling the ink. And that's not something you can get with the screen, of course. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you know, the other thing is the tactility, the, um, um, you know, the feeling of different textures and materials and um all of that that really is is um unmatched um 
And I think as long as um, you know uh, those those elements don't exist, then then print will will have a place. So that's right. Until you can start like installing smells into your videos that the iPhone can just kick out as you're watching something. I'm, you know, until that uh, happens, it's you know the the chip in uh, in the brain type of shit where there's um, you know it's 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 coming eventually. It might be a thousand years, might be 150. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? There was, um, and I love how you said the smell of things because when uh, it was about probably twelve years ago, um, I sold this wedding magazine project because I used to do used to do print sales, and mm -hmm. it was such a weird delivery, and it was a Saturday delivery, and they were all boxed in like in fifties. It was like a bunch of little boxes, mm -hmm. so getting a courier to do it was just out of the question. So I said, oh, I'll just we'll fill my minivan, my family minivan. Nice with all these boxes and I'll just spend the day Saturday delivering all these tiny boxes and on all these delivery routes. So we stuffed it full Friday night. I left it there at the shop parked in the bay. And when I got in the car the next morning, this like it had hundreds of boxes of mm -hmm. printed materials, like fresh print materials, all sealed in this vehicle overnight. <laughs> Nice. I had to basically have the windows open the whole 45 oh, minutes sure, sure. drive because it was so strong Stinky. and it just like lingered in the fabric for a few months after that. Um, yeah. But it wasn't like a smell that's like, oh, this is disgusting. It's like it was strong, but it, it just made you feel, I don't know, like good. Like there's something there to it. It's just adding yeah. something to it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, this is a, a related aside. The um, at, at DNK, the project that we're going to talk about, um, I yeah. printed with them a bunch, and the um, this the ink that they used, um, you know, the, their house ink had this like certain smell to it. And um, I, uh, I came one day and and um, for a project, and it smelled different. And um, I was like, did the ink change? And they're like, uh, I don't know. And then they like asked someone who asked somebody else and then they're like, Oh yeah, the ink did change. And then they're like, how'd you know? I'm like, I could smell it. And they were like, what the <laughs> hell? And, and then, uh, it became like a joke, um, around, uh, the shop and they would, um, uh, like last time I, one of the last times I visited someone, um, peeped around the corner. They're like, Hey Johnny, how's the ink smelling today? Um, so yeah. Nice. I'm waiting for somebody to come out with like a print shop smelling candle. Yeah, interesting. I like that. Yeah, I would uh, purchase it. You want do if you're doing pre-orders, mark me for two. Okay, definitely. Yeah, do you <laughs> want the big size or the small size? Uh, I gotta see the pricing, but um, we could talk about it after. <laughs> I reserve the right to change my answer. Okay, perfect. Um, Johnny, I want to kick this back in time a little bit here and ask you about the very first print project that you were ever a part of. Um, do you remember what that project was and and what it was that you put together? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, slightly adapt the question um, to like the third print project I was a part of, um, and because uh, yeah, I have an interesting story. So um, it was around the same time period as undergrad, of course, and um, you know at um, Minnesota State University, Mankato, my alma alma mater is that the word? Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, and I um, I had this packaging class where we had to develop. Um, I don't know what the prompt was exactly, but I ended up developing a package for granola. And um, I used uh, craft paper, which, you know, like to us is second nature to, you know, just kind of uh, make sense for granola to have a granola looking, you know, package, so substrate. And, um, uh, and then I, you know, um, 
printed on it. Like I, I brought this custom stock in that, you know, other students that didn't have access to. And then um, I uh, printed my project on it and, you know, really carefully did all of the, the cutouts and whatnot. And, um, and then I actually put granola in there. I made a little, essentially like a, uh, like a cellophane window. I forgot what those are called, but, um, you know, uh, where you have that clear window and, um, yeah. and, and put the granola inside. And then, um, my, uh, I kind of forgot about the project. Um, I remember it was something like, it just looked like really generic. If you were to like, you know, have, um, uh, dollies like create a uh, generic granola packaging um, for an eco granola company. This is exactly what would come up, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, it just, yeah, just like uh, there was some roots involved in the design, and um, yeah, yeah there's green and brown, you know, just real, real hardcore crunchy. But um, anyway, uh, fast forward years later, um, we I, I went I went and did a, a talk at. Um, at the school, um, you know, came back uh, and um, did a, uh, a lecture for for students, and and um, it was really uh, really fun to you know go back um, and see how all of my old you know, teachers were doing and, and whatnot. But um, I uh, uh, one of my professors, Harlan Bloomer, um, shout out, uh, he brought the um this little package um and he goes remember this and i was like just <laughs> vaguely remembered and i was like well, ho holy shit like this this my thing and he's like of course i still use it as an example he had like had it on his shelf um in his <laughs> office and i was like i was like oh i was so touched and um thought it was so rad and um yeah I, and i was really surprised that granola hadn't just completely went you know rancid <laughs> just the whole inside is just green yeah. molding and yeah he's still snacking on no i'm kidding um but yeah he um uh he kept it all that time and uh, so you know it's um it's kind of funny because I, I do the same thing with with my students um, i'm not currently teaching but i have and and i'll keep print projects you know from years back and um then reference them uh and they they'll be all like I have a newsprint project that's all ratty and yellow and I'll still reference it because it, it, you know, even though it kind of is degraded, it's still, um, you can see the quality of the design and thought that went into it and um, yeah. still a great example. So it endures. That's awesome. So the granola packaging lives on. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Um, on that topic of print projects, have you ever been a part of a print project that didn't go well, didn't turn out as you'd hoped or expected, um, went sideways somehow. Can you tell us about that? Oh man, so many, um, so many projects. Uh, I mean, that's like how you learn um, is by things going wrong. I think probably the most comical is um, the, uh, my friend that I started the business with in 2010, Richard Roach, he, um, uh, he did a, um, we did a print project together and, and print was my thing and web was his, his thing. And, but, you know, I had him help me with, um, screen printing. Uh, we, we, we sort of, we offered it, I guess, as a service for many years, um, you know, did, did like gig posters for bands and, um, nice. events and, and whatnot. And, and it, I just did it cause I loved it so much, you know, it's not like, um, yeah, uh, eventually when we moved here, like didn't want to bring all that equipment hadn't been screen printing a ton and we so we sold it moved on i'm thinking eventually in the future i'll come back to it anyway getting uh, outside of the story um the um we did this project where we had to print a poster in 
like January or something. And um, we lived in Colorado and most of the time Colorado's warm. Even in the winter, it doesn't, you know, get that cold. I think this last year was different, but <clears throat> it's a lot warmer than people think when, unless you live in the mountains. So yeah, it's a lot warmer than, than people, uh, than people think, but uh, it does have these little cold sweeps from time to time. And um, we had this deadline and, um, and it lined up with one of the cold sweeps and um, we were printing in the garage and um, uh, the, my, my washout booth was using um, a hose, uh, you know, that was just snaked around from the house to the garage through a little window, you know, very lo-fi setup. That's the beauty of screen printing is you can kind of do it wherever. <clears throat> but um, it was freezing cold. And what was happening is that we couldn't get the water to... Um, you know, like to pump through the hose because it kept on freezing. And we, it was just like this comedy of errors. We just, um, the water would be freezing. We'd have a heater outside, like blowing on the like connection. And, you know, you don't want your water freezing in pipes. Like that's, that's bad. So we weren't, we weren't even supposed to use this, you know, um, our landlord would have freaked, but, um, the, uh, uh, eventually we, we somehow got it, but it was just a, a, a grind to, um, to do these different, uh, you know, pieces and, and, uh, it was, it was such a tremendous amount of work. And then <clears throat> when we, you know, sent the posters off, they were on time, we delivered them. Um, the client said, um, thanks for the posters. Um, <laughs> we didn't really sell any, um, you know, we, we, we sold very little and, uh, it didn't do as well as I thought. Um, and it was just like, I, that's not what I wanted to hear because we had put so much effort into it. And I was like, wow, if he, if he knew the amount of, of, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, of work that, that went into this and the amount of, of frustration, then he would have, yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, if he kept the comment happens. to himself or just made it yeah. up, said like, we sold out, man, they're all gone. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't want him to lie to me, but I've maybe just, um, <laughs> it's just, true. uh, yeah, he, uh, the, if, if it would have been like an in-person thing, you know, we would had a beer or something and chatted about it and, and laughed, mm. but, um, yeah, uh, it was, it was a distance, you know, they were East coast. Um, but yeah, just, um, don't screen print in the winter in places where it can get below freezing. I think that's the moral yeah. of the story. Oh man. when you're fighting something like that in those moments, like it's just, it's so, uh, you just feel like lost almost you can't even like think properly you're just feeling stuck like how are we actually going to do this how are we going to make it happen yeah exactly pulled it off beauty well um i would love to do a deep dive into the project that we are here to talk about you had sent me a sample of this and i'll prove it i have not torn anything i haven't perfed anything off yet i haven't done anything because i want to film all that goes down with it and exploring it so i gotta wait um, so thank you for sending some pictures along so I can at least get an idea of the experience, but I want to feel it myself. Um, so this is the D&K printing, um, so an actual print shop promo, which is not very common. Like you're usually, you know, doing print work for clients, but I, like clients generally aren't print shops, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? So exactly. it's kind of like they're printing their own marketing piece, mm -hmm, I guess mm -hmm. is like sort of a a unique way to look at it. Um, yeah. But yeah, if we could dive into this one and talk about how this project came to be sure. um, for starters, what the, what the mission behind it was and any stories you have about the actual experience, the quoting production of it. Um, 
you know, anything like that, I would love to hear it. Absolutely. Where should we start? Right at the beginning. In the beginning, okay. how did how did this client come aboard? Were you did you meet them on a press check for a different client, or you know, was yeah. it just your mad sales skills? Like, what what pulled them in? Um, so <clears throat> I don't have any mad skills skills, but I appreciate that um, <laughs> it's assumption. Um, there, uh, DNK. Um, I have a contact there, um, Tanner Bennett, and uh, he. Um, uh, I've worked on so many different projects with him. Part of what we, our ethos as a, a studio is, you know, a focus on um, sustainability and social good. So we uh, do a lot of, you know, um, projects either with companies that are, you know, that have that focus as well, or, um, you know, create products or packaging or whatever it is on their behalf that, that has that embedded into it. So, you know, um, it, uh, a lot of times when you reach out to printers, you kind of ask a bunch of questions this is how I always start every, um, you know, just like uh, engagement. Um, I ask a bunch of questions and that is how, you know, at least in my experience, um, how I know who's going to be the right fit is like, who's, you know, who can offer that level of service and spend the time to respond and be thoughtful or just give you a call and, you know, talk about it, whatever it is. But a lot of times people will just try to skirt around, answer the questions as quickly as they can, say, I don't know or whatever. And I know that those aren't the people for me because I'm annoying um, to work with, uh, <laughs> not like on a personal level, but just in terms of, you know, uh, I ask a lot of questions. I, you know, yeah. um, just have the, the sales rep has to go much further and deeper with these projects um, th that I typically work on. That the yeah. studio works on because of um this you know commitment to um make them more sustainable um and yeah you just have to uh, ask a lot of annoying questions and so that's that's where that comes in but anyway so um tanner from the get-go was just super open um and honest and um you know just uh, straightforward and clear on all of those uh, questions that I had, and um, and we sort of developed this relationship over the course of years, and um, and and we printed with them so much because a lot of our clients were in Colorado, and you always want to print like from a sustainability perspective, you want to print like as close to your customers as possible, right? So for sure, um, yeah, uh, uh, because we did a bunch of local work um, as studios do, then that meant you know printing locally um, in Colorado, so. Uh, they were a really great print partner. We had done, you know, a dozen projects with them, learned a ton um, while doing them and, um, you know, uh, had developed a really good relationship. And so Tanner reached out at the end of a project and he's like, hey, would you guys be interested in, you know, doing some sort of print promo? We'll just let you do whatever you want um, and just, you know, come up with something. And, uh, you know, they had yeah. been working towards being a more sustainable printer and um, uh, really... Um, we're interested in, in leveraging that to build um, sales <clears throat> and, and get new business. And, um, and so, yeah, they had uh, put in a lot of effort um, outside of our projects to, to advance their sustainability um, uh, specs, I guess. And um, yeah, so uh, this project came about when, when Tanner asked, asked uh, you know, what, what we wanted to do and threw out some ideas. Um, and, uh, yeah, is that, where's it, am I missing a spot in the middle there? Um, I think, yeah. Um, then we just, we just, uh, talked about, um, terms and, uh, we came up with, uh, doing a trade. Um, and so we traded for, 
I, I guess a credit you know gift card for dnk no uh yeah um we, we traded <laughs> for print, print services <laughs> yeah you just say like an applebee's gift card like we just really wanted to get yeah. you know get free lunches for a while yeah so yeah we 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 traded for you know um uh, like a uh, credit for printing services that we yep. had cashed in later on and um and that what that was on the posters that i mentioned and yep. um and then they, you know, didn't have to pay any money out of pocket, which is good for them. Um, and, uh, and then they got this promo um, out of it. And we sort of, yeah. you know, th- there's always those projects that come along where it's really difficult as a business owner because you get these projects where you're like, whoa, there's a there's opportunity here to do something really cool. Right. But mm-hmm. as like, you know, running the books, you're like, you, you really you really shouldn't do that. You should do that as little as possible and as infrequently as possible. But like, you know, spiritually, emotionally, you know, ego, like all <laughs> yes. that, like you, you really want to like, you know, crush it and spend a ton of extra time. And, and so we did decide sort of consciously to invest more time into this project than what we had originally budgeted because of the, it just kept on getting cooler and cooler and the ideas got better. So, um, yeah, we didn't, um, uh, we we uh, spent I think the the hours the total hours for it were like 108 hours um, on on this and you know uh, probably uh, half of that was the specking and you know sort of all the admin stuff and and paper sourcing yeah. and um, you know yeah just getting so many emails um, uh, all the all the pre, you know pre-production stuff pre-press stuff and then um the other half was uh design and and content development um so we helped write some of the content on the inside and and then design everything so what was the like the initial purpose of this piece did they come to you when they wanted a self-promotional piece or did they just leave it wide open for you guys to do anything you wanted to do like what was the the sort of i guess the the brief you know air quotes the brief of the project yeah yeah uh it was like I said, I think they were developing, they wanted to, to bolster the reputation as this sustainability focused printer. So they wanted it to be focused on on that aspect, but that was pretty much the brief and everything else, you know, um, they were open on. And um, so we, we just kind of discussed, we just came up with like brainstorm a ton of like a big list of ideas and um, and just sort of read them off, you know, and said like, you know, this is one thing we could do. What do you think about this? And they're like, whoa, that would be cool. Or like, whoa, that's scary, but we're excited. Or like, yeah, we can't do that because we have to send it out. You know, like we, we, it all had to be with services that they could do in-house too. So that was another constraint, um, which was, you know, fun and made it, um, made it easy to like rein in and, and, you know, like you want the constraints um, and uh, fun to work around those. So. Definitely. So then you decided on like, what was the, can you just sort of talk through what the final physical form of this took and the purpose of it taking that form? Sure. So we wanted some sort of, you know, packaging experience um, with it. And uh, we had discussed, you know, belly band and, you know, uh, all of that. But they we, we came on this format for for what they what they call a um, carton or a sleeve or something right we would we would, you know average person might just say a box right yeah um, but it's, yeah. it's essentially just um, a really shallow box um, uh, how would you describe it 
Yeah, I would say it's, it's kind of, um, I would call it a sleeve myself just because of yeah. the, the function of it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't kind of like open like a traditional box or I wouldn't call it a box. Yeah. Um, I would just call it a full wrap sleeve, sure. um, you know, yeah, around yeah. the printed materials inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's kind of this, it, this in between, um, but it's you know, uh, covered on all sides and um, and then we can put whatever contents we um, have inside of that. So um, we came up with the idea to do this, um, just a little booklet. Um, and, uh, and then uh, a, there's a sheet of bookmarks. Um, uh, actually, the booklet um, has like a mini booklet inside of it that um, there's like a few parts to it, but uh, it compares digital printing to offset printing and um, just a lot of like the basics of print, um, you know, the touches on those, but then there's a huge focus on sustainability in, you know, talking about the, um, uh, the you know, vegetable content of the inks that they use and the uh, uh, sourcing of all the materials. And we use algae ink in this um, and uh, uh, talks a little bit about that. And so it's, it's not just like, you know, um, we want it to be a showcase to excite designers and and that was the whole that's another part of it is like that became our target audience was like let's pump yes. up designers you know because this isn't for clients it's for designers um yeah. like uh which a lot of times their clients are designers so you know um but uh that that focus is to pump up designers and get them excited about um you know printing sustainably and to uh, show them what can be done that it's not all of that package I described earlier, you know, it's not all craft paper with green and brown inks, you know, yeah. um, it's exciting, it's vibrant. And um, it is the materials are, you know, wide ranging, and, and sometimes they're just, you know, the parody with what exists um, for conventional materials, like the paper, um, a lot of the paper we're using on the inside is just, you know, your standard white paper stock um, and it's nothing yeah. really that unique about it but it's just solid paper and then some of it is you know crazy shit like the um, paper that we're using for the carton or sleeve which is straw um, and uh, you know just materials that people haven't seen before um, and uh, yeah um, so there's 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 that component the booklet and then there's a bookmark sheet um, that you know explores different perfs and whatnot and then um, uh, and, and it also has spot um, aqueous coating, so you can see what that looks like. And, um, and then uh, the last piece is the uh, notebook, which is actually, we didn't really have to design this notebook for it. We, we, I guess, what did we do? We loaned them our IP, if you will. Um, we had uh -huh. created this eco pocket <clears throat> notebook for ourselves um, years back, and we adapted it to this design system so changing the colors and the fonts and like you know but keeping the same general layout and yeah. um and the same general idea so um that, that wasn't too much work but the the promo and the card the sleevers where most of our energy were spent you know what i love about this is that it it's designed in a way that it becomes a tool for the designers who receive it. Mm -hmm. Not only a, a learning piece and an informational piece, and obviously a marketing piece for DNK, but the designer recipients, it's a tool showing sizes, materials, colors. What do these finishes feel like? What do these finishes do? Um, I noticed earlier on here, there's a spread. And just for the listeners, I'll post a link in the description of this podcast episode so they can hop over to your website and have a look at the um, some of the images, and we'll upload some to Instagram as well. 
Um, but you've got a section in here where there's uncoated versus coated paper so mm -hmm. that, that designers can understand the difference of inks printed on the two different stocks. Um, so it, it just becomes this tool because when a designer is out there talking to their client and they're saying, hey, I think we should go with uncoated paper for this project. It aligns with the brand, blah, 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 whatever. This is what it feels like. They have samples of that. This is what ink on it looks like, um, which is like what you know, us here at Print Design Academy, we're basically building and creating for, mm -hmm. um, for designers is these, these kind of tools. So this is awesome. Uh, are you, you want to license the IP? Is that what I'm hearing, Dave? Um, yeah, I'll exactly. Talk to so, <laughs> yeah, if we, if we do a trade agreement for a couple of print shop candles for the IP <laughs> yes. on this, on I this piece, I, <laughs> I think we've got a deal. All right, I'll talk to Tanner <laughs> see what he thinks. Um, talk to the uh, people. But totally, yeah, there's um, I, one key detail I didn't mention is that uh, this project is called, um, the, the, the promo itself is called DNK Origins. And yeah. um, that is, uh, speaks to all aspects of the, of the piece. It's, um, it's about the origins of DNK, the print shop. You know, they have a little story yeah. in the beginning that walks you through um, how, you know, the, um, uh, how, like where it started out of this garage and, you know, built into this, this um, you know, sort of flourishing <clears throat> print shop and then um it's about the origins of um the materials and um specifically one of the most difficult parts for tanner um my my contact at dnk um is the the page that lists all of those um do you, i don't know if you have it on here the uh all the different like the sourcing of the materials um that's the page, yeah, right there. So, um, it you know a lot of times you'll see oh paper comes from this place, right? And so like on our website, for instance, we have our case studies. Whenever they have involved print, we include the um, paper stock, right? It's down to like we use a hundred pound Nina environment or whatever, right? Like all of it yeah. is really specific. But what this does on on in the promos, it goes a step further, which I haven't really seen, you know. Um, at least not on a regular basis, uh, but it, it, it literally tells you it was manufactured in Bennington, New Hampshire, and then it was shipped via truck to DNK Printing in Boulder. And, um, and then there's, there's for the ink, for instance, it's, it says the algae is grown in, um, in California and it lists a specific city, city the, um, Cal, is it Calipatria? And then um, the pigment is refined in Commerce City, Colorado. The ink is manufactured in Cincinnati, Ohio, and then shipped via truck to DNK in Boulder. So all of this different, you know, steps of how these yeah. materials are made. And I asked Tanner before the podcast, I'm like, was there anything, you know, interesting um, that, we, you know, we haven't talked about um, and uh, like challenges that you had? And he said, uh, this was, was one of them, uh, one of the ink companies um, that he spoke to refuse to divulge any information um, on this, right? Most suppliers, they're like happy and excited that you're curious about it and, you know, yeah. um, and uh, and they refuse to do it. And we had to switch inks as a result of it. Um, and that ink company um, uh, does not exist anymore. They went out of business. So um, oh, they, <laughs> they were doing something weird. Um, and uh, yeah, but it, seeing, seeing this as a designer is just like, you know, uh, really gets you thinking about all of the different materials and steps that go into this. And this isn't even, yeah. 
you know, all of it because there's, you know, where were the trees grown for the paper? You know, like you can go further and further. Um, <clears throat> for sure. It. You can go, yeah, literally right back to the tree in the ground. Like where did this tree come from? Yeah. You know, following, following that FSC, that Forward, uh, Forest Stewardship Council certification. Yeah. Like if you follow that all the way back, you can find out exactly the forests um, that this stuff came from. So you can get pretty yeah. dialed in with that. Um what I love about this too is the sort of unintended or maybe it is intended um, side effect of putting something like this together. The designers who read that, it brings to them a realization of the craft that it's this physical goods thing. A lot mm -hmm. of designers think that when you're doing digital printing, for example, it's just some paper off the shelf that they print through this like little office printer thing and, yeah. and they bring it to me. Um, yeah. But there's so much more craft involved in the making of the materials that mm -hmm. go into the craft of manufacturing the thing. Mm -hmm. um, th and doing stuff like this just brings that realization more to light. Um, totally. You know, anytime you can break down the process of making this stuff. Totally. And then, you know, on top of that, there's all of the um, environmental considerations and um, yep. the impacts that that can have, which we wanted to highlight. Um, and, uh, you know, here we talk about like some stuff with the inks. Um, there's a page where it describes the um, what's known as BRC, the uh, biorenewable content. Um, you know, most most inks uh, are uh, offsettings include some vegetable content. Um, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that can be a variety of it can be soy. That's the one you hear about most, but that's just really marketing. It can be um, linseed oil and, you know, there's a, a ton of different grapeseed oil. There's like all these different, um, you know, plants that can be used um, as a, uh, uh, what is it called? The, um, the carrier. Uh, yeah, carrier, I believe. Yeah. And um, uh, we talk about um, the, you know, what that just sort of high level of what that looks like. And then, you know, the volatile organic compounds um, and those are the bad things. Um, yeah. And you want to have that number as low as possible. And um, yeah. it kind of dives into some of that. And then even with the, the paper, um, the straw paper, it, it, uh, I think that has a really interesting sustainability story because it's talking about how um, I think on the inside of the carton, we have, we have it um, listed there. So it's almost like a little secret thing you might not notice. Uh, but it talks about how that, you know, um, it really comes, the straw that's used in the paper comes from farms in Washington where it would otherwise have just been burned um, and uh, wow. you know uh, sort of it's waste product and um, and so and that creates emissions in, in itself uh, you know by burning that um, uh, that straw but it's the easiest way for them to get rid of it and um, uh, but we're you know creating a market for it by purchasing this paper right you know us being designers. And, um, and then uh, that has value, so they don't burn it. So you have not only the emissions of the straw that's not being burned, but then you also have the, uh, you know, using straw instead of growing um, or instead of having to use trees. So uh, you're using a waste yeah. material and that just, you know, just all these different aspects. Like it, when you really dive into print sustainability, like it's, it's so complex and there's so many you know, interconnected, um, pieces and, and, yeah. you know, that's where systems thinking comes in and all of that. And you, um, but this is, yeah, just sort of the goal of it is to be like a primer on, um, print and on sustainable printing. Um, so hopefully that, um, yeah, like you said, is, is helpful to some folks. 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I just had this conversation with um, somebody from Mohawk Paper where, or sorry, um, it was uh, Monadnock. So we were using mm-hmm. some of their stock within mm-hmm. this uh, print piece here. Um, and they were talking about, you know, sustainability is a lot more than just picking 100% recycled paper. Yeah. There's way more that you can do, um, you know, further the sustainable story of mm-hmm. whatever particular print piece you're putting together. And this piece diving into nearly every aspect of that um, really just brings that to light for sure. Excellent. Well, I'm glad it's coming across. So um, well, let's dive into like a couple of the, some of the technical details of putting this thing together in terms there of like your involvement. Yeah. Yeah. Your involvement on the, the file side, the proofing side. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, before we started recording that you didn't get to do any press checks. It was more like photo press checks of this is how it, how it looked. Mm-hmm. Correct. So anything sort of unique um, that took a little bit of extra testing and tuning um, or, or like mock-up processes to, to feel like you got right um, for this particular piece? Um, I mean, man, every, every, when you're dealing with something like this where you know, you're, you're essentially representing the print shop that you're working with, um, yeah. uh, you, you, every little aspect um, of it needs to be extremely dialed. And um, mm-hmm. uh, there were, yeah, just so much extra care put into all of the different aspects of it. Um, one of the key, like, foundational sort of, um, you know, more sustainable print design um, processes is to design in reverse. Um, and so instead of just being like, oh, I want this piece, you um, like, and I'll make it this size, right? You think about, you start backwards, like, where is this going to end up? Um, and can we design it for maximum recyclability? And then like, the then the, the next step would be like, you know, the, um, how is it going to be cut and, um, mm-hmm. you know, folded and all that. And then you back up one more step. And then it's like thinking about the press sheet. And um, so we always design for maximizing the press sheet, right? So that we have yeah. an efficient piece, which is fairly normal. Most print shops, if you go to a print shop, like if you have something that's completely inefficient, they're going to, they hopefully will tell you, not everyone will, but, um, but really actually finding out what specific paper we're going to use, what parent sheet we're going to use, and then yeah. figuring out your margins on like, you know, how there's a really great tool for this that we use a lot. Um, that's a uh, re-nourish. Um, I think it's like re-nourish.org if I remember correctly. Um, cool. they, uh, they have this like project planning tool that, um, it helps you do just that. And it accounts for all of those little details you need to account for and you That's can put cool. in your bleed and, and all of that. But, um, so yeah, we start there and then we, um, figure out what parent sheet we're going to use and then we design the piece to maximize that. So the form sort of, you know, comes out of the materials, um, and you're yeah. sort of locked into, um, we're locking ourselves into sizes that can maximize that efficiency. But what's cool is that um, we uh, we wanted to show this and demonstrate it in the in the book. And so uh, to do that, we um, have this little page where it shows what the actual parent sheet is. You know, I got to talk to Tanner. I'm like, okay, we want to see the exact breakdown. Show me the the real like the real deal file. And so yeah, show he, me that um, like imposed image. Exactly. And so that's a thing that you don't really see very often until you get to the press check, you know, as a designer, you know, you're not going to, they're not, there's no reason for them to really send that to you. They usually send you a digital proof that looks 
you know, the way that you'll see the finished product and you won't see the, the actual imposed press sheet. So, yeah. um, yeah, we, uh, we got that and then, um, uh, wanted to show it in the book, but when you're showing in the book, you have this weird thing where you're showing the page in the book that you're showing like on the press sheet. And so you have this inception effect <laughs> and, um, yes. uh, yeah, the page that you have pulled open right now, um, you can see it in the show notes. Uh, there's this, um, yeah, I, I don't know how many levels deep it goes, but we just try to get as far as we could. Um, this inception effect, um, happening where we have the press sheet showing the press sheet, you know, showing this, like showing the page you're looking at and it is infinite. So the, you could probably explain it better. I just like we said, just the, the inception of it. That's that's the good way to look at it. Yeah. And what what's also interesting about um, you know, if you're newer to print and, and designing for books, when you go to a press check, you see like pages upside down. Like this one, for example, you've got page seven, page nineteen, page three, page fifteen. So mm. it's very easy for a designer to see that and be like, What the heck am I even looking at? How do these pages go together? Like this is the beginning of the book with the end of the book, like what how does this work? And mm -hmm. when you show them the whole concept of folded signatures and when that folds down and how it all comes together, it's like, okay, I see how this works. You know, whether it's a, a saddle stitch thing where you're taking it out as four pages or if you're doing full folded signatures for much bigger booklets like Perfect Bound Books or anything. But yeah, yeah it's just a, a cool thing that designers should be aware of, you know, going into a press check that you're just they know they know what they're doing so. <laughs> yeah and and the more you know that's the whole purpose of the your thing is you know the more you know about this stuff the better the end result is going to be 100%. and um so like you know it's just something that I, I really love personally and so i've spent a lot of energy learning about all these different aspects and asking questions and if you find a, the right print partner who will answer them and you yeah. know um indulge uh your curiosity then you'll just keep getting better and learning more and um yeah that definitely uh leveled you know leveled up from this project and um there's another like you know in addition to this like press sheet planning thing um we we uh were we wanted to we had this idea to do the outer carton uh, we wanted it to yeah. be um, to use zip strips and it was literally just here's how the like brainstorming was we're like what's cool with print zip strips everyone loves them right you just like tear them yep. and it makes that yep. awesome sound and um, you know it's just like really satisfying so we're like alright let's just do a ton of zip strips and then you know the brainstorming evolved and we're like oh what if we you know use zip strips to spell out you know type right um, to uh, uh, zip strip typography and um, then we we proposed this idea of doing a D and a K um, that you rip out from the carton um, that you initially yeah. you can't really like see that it exists, but once you actually hold it up close, you can you know see the little cutouts. I didn't see that on the sample you sent. I didn't see that it was a D and a K until I was looking through these images. I was just yeah. like, oh cool, there's like zip strips in different directions. I'm like, that's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, we wanted to just have like these layers of detail that you know you really. It encouraged you I think this is kind of the case for every sort of print project but like those 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 little Easter eggs those layers of detail that encourage you to explore to inspect you know to look closer yeah. and um, I love you know personally as a person looking at a package or, or a print piece I love being rewarded for that curiosity you know when you yes. when you look at the back of something or like the inside tab or whatever and there's a little like just like a, a little thing whatever that thing is 
um, yeah. that that says thought was put into this care was was you know and was used here. I love that um, attention to detail and um, and so I try to Im- embed that into the work that we do and yeah so there's like in every little corner of this um, there are um, little, those little those little details and it was just so fun to just have that freedom to to go nuts with it um, but yeah. anyway with the um, the zip strips uh, the typography we um, that was one of the those things that were that was so challenging to figure out because um, you know we're working with a vendor for the die and they're consulting on you know different tolerances and spacing and and um, what sort of uh, uh, like how to actually make this happen and yeah. um, and then you know uh, like just all this different coordination it's this delicate dance and I think that was um, I might be spoiling one of your other questions Dave but that was one of the um, the things that we've had trouble with um, in the process so it was probably the the most challenging because um, you know, not only are, are they doing zip strips in a way that they've never really done before, but they're yeah. doing it on a material they've never done done it with. And so, yeah. you know, the whole um, uh, project, um, we you know, we wanted to avoid plastic and the zip strips on the side, which are a different, I forgot, there's like, they have a different name. Um, it's essentially just a perf, but um, yeah. the zip strips on the side of the carton that you pull down, you just rip the entire sides off. I think there's, wait, there's one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight total, like, things you rip. Uh, um, and uh, <laughs> the ones that go down the side of the container, um, they, uh, uh, with the paper stock and the, the way that they were perf, they just didn't hold up. Um, and uh, they, yep. the paper wasn't strong enough. And um, we didn't discover this until after it had, you know, already went on press and been printed. So you're, you're left with this decision, do we scrap these and reprint which of course is really wasteful and goes against the ethos of the project or yeah. do we you know um try to salvage them and so they worked on i remember like texting with this like, frantically with tanner at the time of, of um while we were working on this they they tried solutions where they would cutting strips of paper gluing it to the inside of the carton to reinforce those tabs and yeah. um, I was like, holy shit, they're, that's so rad that they were like, you know, even considering that as an idea. Because I feel like other print shops would be like, no, we're just going to reprint it. That's ridiculous. You know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, that didn't work, unfortunately. And so they, he's like, hey, man, I hate to hit you with this, but I'm thinking this might be the best idea is to use plastic to reinforce it. So they essentially they just put a little like you know when you, when you have a rigid mailer um you know for some documents or maybe a print that you ordered or whatever and you kind of tear it and there's that little plastic strip um you yeah. know behind the little perf that is um a, a little like adhesive plastic strip that was inserted onto the inside of the carton to reinforce those those tabs so yeah. like one of those things you know you live and you learn and next time we do this project um you know we're going to be uh, or we're not going to do this project, but a, a similar project, we're going to know what to expect, that these are going to be tricky, that we need to test the material yeah. and, you know, really um, get all of that dialed because it, this material with the straw, I think the straw might have had something to do with it, the paper grain, you know, there's all these different aspects. It, totally. didn't, it didn't hold up the way that we thought it, you know, perform the way that we thought yeah. it would. And um, so that was, that was disappointing. But it really didn't affect the overall like satisfaction and outcome of the project. And yeah. No. And when you look at the environmental impact of using a tiny bit of plastic to salvage the piece rather than, you know, getting rid of the whole thing, 
one is definitely going to side more than the other, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's more of just kind of tarnishing, like, you know, at the time we were just so hell-bent on this, you know, this this concept and, um, and, you know, it's like if you're, if you're making an art piece and the whole concept yeah. is like you know the the uh the the absence of color and then you get a few speckles on the side of color you're like oh, you know <laughs> that's that's all <laughs> you know it's not a big deal but it's just um yeah, yeah really uh bummed us out at the time but then looking back on it i'm like yeah we, we learned we're going to be honest about it in our case study and document yeah. that and um yeah and and just uh hopefully that other people can learn from it too that's awesome um so again, I'm going to put the link to have a look at this case study once it's ready to go here, Johnny. I'm going to put that in the description of this episode. I will also share some pictures on Instagram, um, on our Instagram, so people can have a look and see the visuals while we're chatting, while they're listening to us talking. We already talked a little bit about <clears throat> how long the design took um, you know, to all bring together and the sourcing mm-hmm. and stuff. So let's just move right into the uh, last couple of questions here. What advice, you know, being the experienced print designer you are now, the, you've cut your teeth on a bunch of different projects here. What advice would you give to that designer who is looking to get started with print design, wants to get into it and do something in print design? Where should they start? I mean, I think um, is this, this seems like a plug for Print Design Academy, Dave. I feel like you're setting it me up here. <laughs> but I mean, if you want to, if you want to. <laughs> It's not because literally out of like this is the 70th episode or so of the podcast. Nobody yeah, said yeah, Print yeah. Design Academy and I'm 100 percent fine totally, with that because there's a bunch I'm, of ways to get into it. I'm giving you shit. No, I think um, I know. I know. there are some really great educational resources uh, who, you know, I will not mention. Um, no, uh, like, there are some great yeah. educational re- resources out there and Print Design Academy, of course, is one of them. But I think. Of co- yeah, of course. I'm sure there's more. But. Yeah, there's there's books and there's, um, you know, well, obviously there's podcasts and uh, there's a lot of different ways. I think for me, um, we touched on it earlier, but like what has been so helpful is to figure out how to find those those correct partners on projects, because yes. even when you're doing 500 business cards, right, if you can find someone that's, you know, willing to answer your questions and you know and work with you to achieve an outcome and and learn from it that is like has been so extremely valuable because that that's how i've learned most of my stuff is is just being annoying asking questions and finding somebody who who's excited about that and answering it you know who's like uh willing to spend some extra time writing the email or giving you a tour of the print, print you know like I did so many tours of different print shops and I'd always be like, what's this? What does that do? How much does that cost? Yeah. You know, like just all of this different stuff. And some people were annoyed, you know, uh, from that or a little bothered because it takes more of their time. And then, yeah. you know, some kind souls were, you know, like Tanner were just willing to answer a bunch of those questions. And it, my excitement fueled their excitement. And um, yeah. so I think finding a, even if it's a digital print shop, you know, and the, around the corner, Finding the right people to um, to sort of you know get hands-on experiences is really critical. Yeah, you know it's funny you say that because in Module Four, Print Design Academy, we d- dive deep into that. 
I'm just kidding. Nice. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just sliding there into the go. plane. So, there we go. There we go. We actually do, but that's, that's another point. I'm glad you brought that up because finding a partner um, <clears throat> who, you know, does the type of work that you want to get into, you know, especially a digital printer. Like, there's so many digital printers out there now where it's pretty damn cost effective to just mm-hmm. try things. In, in a small scale where there's not a whole lot of risk, where you can make some small scale mistakes and learn from them and grow. Um, you know, so there's lots of ways to get into that using digital printing, whether that's labels or packaging design or com- like commercial print kind of stuff. Um, totally. Yeah. The barrier and actually, to entry is lower. Totally. And there's another um, related, I have a related uh, piece of advice for that because this is something I did that I learned a ton from um, with digital yeah. printing. I. Um, because it's just one click print, um, I mean, like it's more than that, but yeah, uh, you can print instantly one copy of something, right? That is yes. the whole promise of digital printing. And because of that, um, people, uh, print shops are usually willing to print a sample sheet for you. So, um, yeah. I, uh, like, especially when, you know, um, a decade ago when, you know, digital was still, it's still fairly new and it's definitely nowhere near the quality of offset, although it every year it gets closer, right? Um, and yeah. eventually the, it'll take over, right? Offset will be mm-hmm. the same as letterpress is now, or it'll be, you know, this sort of boutique um, thing. It might be some hobbyist thing, like, but digital printing, um, it it's just a matter of time before that becomes the standard. But what you can do with it is exciting because yeah. you can um, yeah, you print one of something, but what I was doing, when I was I would send them a test sheet that I made just from scratch and I had like built it over the years. Um, added little, you know, like images that were hard to print on one project, I would like add those. And um, I would, you know, tiny, tiny little type. And then all of like the generic stuff of like, you know, stroke thicknesses, like, um, you know, 0. 0.1, 0. 0.15, 0. 0.2, right? In like, yep. um, and, uh, you know, color charts, um, and uh, tints, and you know, all of that. Um, but I built this sheet of this test sheet that, um, uh, I would send to printers and um, and almost everyone was was you know like especially if you were doing a project with them already and you were like inquiring about a quote that's usually the context that I was asking for it so they had incentive but almost everyone would will do it and they'll just get one for you and then you can go pick it up and you can compare okay what does an iGen look like compared to HP Indigo and you know like yeah. look at those technologies and look at um, you know the strengths and weaknesses because there are certainly differences between all of them and um it, it is they're not all the same 100 percent. i love that idea yeah getting that test print you know sorted out so you could see what different things will look like especially different printers good idea yeah. um <clears throat> johnny just rounding the corner to the end here where can people find more about you the office of ordinary things the work you're putting out uh, on social media where can people find you sure um we are at ot.studio on the web and um that is a great place uh, other we're most active on instagram so um follow us there we're um oh shit i should know the handle offhand ordinary things.sf i'm pretty sure that's it if you just type in ordinary things you'll find it but um yeah uh follow along and and um we would love to um you know hear thoughts and get questions um from people and uh always trying to help educate and inform and, and lift everyone up, um, you know, sharing knowledge and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Johnny, a year and a half in the making, 
really enjoyed this conversation, hearing the story and um, you know direction behind this piece, the purpose of this piece. And it's a beauty. I'm looking forward to sort of doing a little social media filming of like a nice. unpackaging experience kind of thing. Did, so, question for you, Dave: Did it yeah. live up to the hype? You delivered. You delivered. Wait, why did you just wink at me? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it I started think, when you actually when you shipped it to me, nice. and I got a sample of it, and I got a chance to feel it a couple of days before we were talking, and I'm like, okay, there's yeah. something special here. So nice. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that you waited for me uh, multiple years, and um, uh, I'm glad that we were able to talk about it. And good luck with your your new um, venture and and uh, and a new chapter for you. And um, if, if do the listeners know? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like it's not. Um, I don't even know if the listeners previously knew I had a day job, but I just recently okay. left my print day job to still stay in the print industry, just kind of like further up the the process where I'm sort of working directly with designers um, at scale with the podcast here, with Print Design Academy, with an event that we have um, coming up February 17th to 20th, the Print Design Summit. So lots of things cooking. Yeah, man, that's so that's huge. And I think, um, you know, it's exciting to see that you've been able to to, you know, do this all these years, like as a side thing, I think like, you know, on top of your normal job and, and you know, yeah. like, like you said, listeners probably don't know because you're such a pro at it. It seems like you've been, you know, <laughs> doing this all these years. And I think um, it's ex- exciting. It's scary. It's terrifying. And um, yeah. uh, so congrats to you, man. And I wish you nothing but the best. Okay, that is the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time here. Again, if you missed it in the intro and you want to learn more about how to design incredible craft beer labels, beverage labels, even consumer packaged goods, food labels, just labels or shrink sleeves in general, you will find incredible value in the craft beer label design guide that we created. It's called the craft beer label design guide, but the principles and the information within it all are applicable to all kinds of labels, all kinds. Again, to get that, go to craftbeerlabelguide.com or just click the link down in the description of this episode and that will be super easy for you to get that free download. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.